And the Baltimore Ravens take down the Pittsburgh Steelers in a pivotal Week 17 matchup. We talk about that on a crossover Thursday edition next year on Locked On Ravens. You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I am your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire, and we're, of course, here over at the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you for tuning in with us today, making us your first lesson. We're free and available on all platforms. That includes over on YouTube. And be sure to hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. We hit 3,000 subscribers here on YouTube for Locked On Ravens, and I'm super grateful, super appreciative of everybody for the support, but we're not done. We're still growing. Our next goal is 4,000 subscribers, so hopefully we can get there soon, but for now, I'm just, I'm so grateful for everything. Also, audio form. Don't forget about the audio form, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We are there for you. Five days a week, same show, both audio and video, so any Ravens news analysis updates, we do have it here for you, and today we're going to be diving in to the Ravens and Steelers Week 17 match with Chris Carter of Locked On Steelers for a crossover Thursday episode. We'll be talking about the status of Lamar Jackson, who did not practice on Wednesday. We'll talk about Kenny Pickett a little bit as well. But the Ravens, yeah, the big story is Lamar Jackson did not practice. I know there have been some reports and rumors. We talked about it on our show with Spencer Schultz yesterday about what's what's going on with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. So be sure to tune into that if you haven't. But for now, be sure to enjoy this episode of the show. Let's dive into our crossover Thursday with Chris Carter of Locked On Steelers. And welcome to another Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Chris Carter. He's Kevin Ostriker. We're of Locked On Steelers, Locked On Ravens, and it's another Steelers-Ravens week, this time in Baltimore. Week 17, a lot of things on the line. The Ravens trying to get in and win the AFC North. The Steelers trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. Break all that down here on the crossover episode that you can find on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, and especially on YouTube. If you see this video on YouTube, like the video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes as well as your bonus content for the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Baltimore Ravens, depending on where you're watching, because we're your team every day. And we hope that we're your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five players. If And if they score more or less than their prize projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. It can literally take, take less than 60 seconds to enter. It's that easy. We love prize picks, and we know you will too. First-time users receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On at prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. Kevin, feels like we just did this, man, and here we are again. I know we're back in a hard fought game between the Ravens and Steelers a couple weeks ago. And again, we, we've said it so many times. These these games are always hard fought. They come down to the wire. There, it seems very rare that we see like a blowout on either side. Now we've seen them before, but I'm anticipating with what this game means to both teams, regardless of who is playing. And we'll get into that over the course of the show. I think this is another game that's going to come down to the wire and we'll have maybe another fantastic finish. I, I think it could be. I mean, Steelers Ravens always finds a way to do that. We talked about that the last time. Even when one team's really good and one team's really bad, these teams find a way to play at each other's level. They know each other that well. Um, I, I think it's going to be another example of that in this game. Um, I, but I think what everyone wants to know right now, Kevin, what is the status 
of Lamar Jackson. Is he going to return? Will he return this year at all? Because uh, he hasn't played at first. It was said one to three weeks from his injury. It was pretty much a given that he was going to miss the first Steelers game, but pretty much everyone that I knew thought that he would be back for the second Steelers game. And now he still hasn't practiced on the Wednesday of the week. Right. It seemed like the report from Adam Sheffer that came out a couple weeks ago was you're right. The one to three week timeline. So that would put him on track to return around Christmas Eve, which obviously we are far past Christmas Eve. We're now headed into week 17. So there, there's a lot of unknowns surrounding the situation right now. The Ravens, John Harbaugh have been very, very tight lipped. First injury report came out on Wednesday and Lamar did not practice. He was not, visible he was not in there so again if he's not able to play it's going to be Tyler Huntley again for the Ravens who played in that first Steelers game Mm -hmm. only attempted 12 passes but then obviously left with a concussion so Anthony Brown had to come in and kind of lead that team to a victory but Lamar obviously he is the he's the heart and soul of this team he he is what the Ravens have built their offense around now I know there have been plenty of questions about the weapons they had built around him but they have an offensive line that's played better this year but for Baltimore, if Lamar's not able to play, they have to continue to ride out their run game. We'll get into the run game for both teams over the course of this show. But what Baltimore has right now is a situation where we don't know if Lamar is going to be able to come back for this Pittsburgh game. It would feel like he would have to have at least one limited practice over the course of these next couple of days. But maybe he's needed a couple of days to heal up and to get back. And maybe he misses the Steelers game but comes back for Cincinnati. Maybe we don't see him at all until the playoffs. Or maybe he's just done for the year. There is there is not a lot to go off of here in Baltimore about the situation. I think that's frustrating for some people because people just want to know clarity. But I know some of these injuries can be very difficult to gauge an accurate timeline. So I'm sure the Ravens don't want to put anything out where if he doesn't come back by that day, everybody's up in arms about it. So obviously Lamar Jackson is the guy you want behind center in any circumstance. But again, we, we just don't know right now, which I think we don't know if he's going to be back this week, next week of the playoffs. I don't it's it's difficult to say, but I think that obviously he gives you the best chance to win if he's out there. Absolutely. I mean, he's Lamar Jackson. He's a NFL MVP. He's a guy who's, who's led to, he, he, he's a guy who came in and immediately turned, turned him around in 2018. Um, and we've seen, he's been a thorn in a lot of teams side, including the Steelers uh, at times over the years. So, um, you know, I think that it's, you certainly want to see him out there. Uh, but, you know, like you said, the Ravens found a way to win, uh, last time without him, and even down to their third string uh, quarterback, with uh, and kind of leading leaning on that run game. We'll get to that run game in a bit, but I think it's also going to be interesting to see how do the how does the Steelers' offensive playmakers come together in this game? Because last time they played, the Ravens intercepted three passes. Granted, that was Mitch Trubisky after Kenny Pickett was put in concussion protocol, but. Uh, that was a key factor in a game that they lost by two points and they were, they had, they had, they moved the ball well. And that was the crazy thing about the game. They actually were converting a lot of third downs. They were able to get the ball down the field, but whenever they got to the red zone or in plus territory, things stalled, mistakes happened, and they weren't able to convert, you know, touchdowns or field goals out of their really good field position. And I think that what you've seen is, uh, is a little bit over the past few weeks, these playmakers that they've been drafting early in the, in the past few years, are starting to come together in this last in the last drive they had when they needed a comeback win over the Raiders in the last two minutes. Kenny Pickett, Najee Harris, uh, Pat Frymuth, with George Pickens, all their first and second round picks from the last two NFL drafts contributed for every single yard in that drive and were pushing the ball down the field, finding different ways to beat people. And you saw also Kenny Pickett protecting the football. He did throw his first interception since uh, since playing the Eagles before the bye week. But that, again, that was his first interception as a rookie quarterback in all, over a month. And I think that that 
shows that the model that the Steelers want to have is there. The question is, can they avoid the turnover mistakes? Because in pretty much, and I talked about this on the yesterday's episode of Lockdown Steelers, but the difference for the Steelers has been interceptions this year. When they've won, they've gotten interceptions, whether it was the five, the, the four they got in, the, in week one against the Bengals or what they were able to uh, get against the Saints, the Colts, the Falcons, and the Raiders, um, or the three that they threw against the Ravens, the three that they threw against the Dolphins, um, the, the the two that they threw against the Jets. There's all those type of games, those type of plays have been so pivotal for the team. But it does seem like there's a there's a new nucleus on offense that's coming together and learning how to pick the team up in the right moments, even while they're not the best unit on the team. And I think that's key for any team, and especially, I mean, if you want to talk about it from the Ravens' perspective, their young offensive core right now, a lot of them are injured. Lamar Jackson is injured mm-hmm. right now. Rashad Bateman is out for the season. Devin Duvernay is now not going to be in this game. He's now out for the year with a foot injury. The only really young guys, obviously Mark Andrews, one of the best tight ends in the league. He's still there. Mm-hmm. You got J.K. Dobbins. You got Gus Edwards. But again, it's, it's are the Ravens able to lean on their run game? They've been the, one of the best rushing offenses in the NFL this year. And when you talk about what happened against the Steelers just a couple weeks ago, the Ravens, again, Huntley only attempts 12 passes. Anthony Brown comes in, only attempts five. The Ravens ran this ball 42 times for mm-hmm. 215 yards. And Chris, it honestly seems like everyone knew it was coming. The Ravens knew they were going to do it. The Steelers knew it was coming. The fans knew it. Everybody knew the Ravens were running this football. And the Steelers over and over and over again could not stop it. But there have been issues this year for the Ravens play calling wise where Greg Roman goes away from a dominant run game and decides to throw the ball, get a bit too cute with things. And that has, I think, it cost the Ravens their game in week 15 against Cleveland where they were Mm -hmm. down by two scores and they absolutely abandoned their run game in a game where the Ravens only averaged 3.8 yards per pass. It was an unbelievable display of just like, why are you doing that? In week 16, it was better. But in week 17, even though the Steelers rush defense, again, they are a top five rush defense this year. They are giving up just four yards per carry on the ground. I think that has to be your game plan, especially if Lamar Jackson isn't in the game for him. We'll talk about that that matchup because the Steelers' run defense got pushed around by the Ravens the first time these two teams played. And the response they had after that has been telling about, about how this season might go for them. We'll break all that down right here on Crossover Thursday here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. But first, we got to talk to you guys about our friends over at Audible because this episode is brought to you by Audible because they have a new slate of football podcasts that we're sure you're going to love, including the new podcast, The League, that's available right now. You can also find a sneak peek of it on Locked On NFL channel. Narrated by Super Bowl champion and legendary smack talker Richard Sherman and sports broadcaster and rising star Taylor Rooks, this show is an eight-part docuseries about the most bizarre, inspirational, and unlikely stories connected to America's favorite sport, pro football. You won't want to miss the untold story spanning from the 1940s to the present, and they have a bonus episode called Way of the Cowboy that looks into the 1977 Dallas Cowboys that brought in Bruce Lee's protege to teach self-defense and martial arts and how that ushered in a new approach to training. Head over to Lockdown NFL right now for a bonus episode of The League or catch the full series whenever you get wherever you get your podcast because it's available right now. Audible. Get in the game. Back here on Crossover Thursday, Locked On Steelers meets Locked On Ravens for a Crossover Thursday. Steelers get ready to play the Ravens in Baltimore. As we talked about before, Kevin, the Ravens were able to run the ball so much on the Steelers. It was 215 yards the Steelers gave up in the ground. Most they've allowed all season long. Um, And afterwards, I I was in the locker room. Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, 
you name a defensive player. None of them were making excuses about, oh, we were unprepared for this or they caught us off guard with that. They admitted we got beat straight up. That's what they were telling me. That's what they're telling everybody is that like this, this has to change. And Cam Hayward was seemed like the most adamant that this will not stand. And then in the coming weeks, the last two weeks, that, that that has changed. And even in the weeks before playing the Ravens, they had given up 110 yards on the ground to the Colts, 146 yards to the Falcons, but they were doing just enough to win. These last two weeks, there hasn't been a concern like that about the run game. The Carolina Panthers, who, by the way, have rushed for 500 yards in the two games around playing the Steelers. They rushed for over 200 the week before against the Seahawks. They rushed for over 300 just last week. They gained only 21 yards in the ground against the Steelers. And then this past week, when they played, when the Steelers played the Raiders, the Raiders had the number one rusher in Josh Jacobs, still is the number one rusher, but he was limited to less than three yards per carry, and the team only had 58 yards on the ground. There has been a charge into this Steelers defense to play better, to, to, to be more physical up front and stuff the run. The question will be, though, can they get that same energy to face the, a Ravens offense that knows how to run the ball and has run the ball on this defense before? Yeah, I know we talked about it when we did our crossover a couple weeks ago that the run game was going to be huge. You know, could the Steelers defense stop what Baltimore was doing on the ground? And the Ravens got the better of Pittsburgh in that first game. Again, J.K. Mm -hmm. Dobbins averaged eight yards per carry, and it wasn't like he did it on like four carries or something. He did it on 15 carries, eight yards per carry, 15 for 120. And Mm -hmm. ever since that game, Baltimore's rush offense has gotten better. Honestly, against Cleveland, I talked about that game a little bit. 7.1 yards per carry as a team. J.K. Dobbins in that game averaged 9.6 yards per carry on 13 carries. Gus Edwards, 7.9 on 7. And then you go to the Falcons game, the Ravens averaged 5.4. Gus Edwards has 9 yards to carry himself. Baltimore's had a 9-yard per carry rusher in back-to-back weeks on at least 10 carries. I think that's a pretty impressive stat in its own right. So now it's a matter of who can win in the trenches because what the Ravens have right now, their offensive line is very physical. Tyra Linderbaum has played really well as a rookie this year. Ben Powers is impressed at the left guard position. Kevin Zeitler is like the, I always, I call him the beacon of consistency for the Ravens offensive line. Should have been a pro bowler, by the way, snubbed for the second straight year in a Ravens. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get how that happens. He's, he's been so good for them. Ronnie Stanley's Ronnie Stanley. He's obviously one of the best in the business and has really come back with a vengeance this year. And Morgan Moses, while he's been kind of up and down, I think he's been playing better. So obviously going up against guys like Cam Hayward, Alex Heisman and TJ Water, no joke against the run. You have all these players that can make an impact, especially up front for both sides. Can that Ravens offensive line open up holes for this Ravens run game? We've seen, we've seen it once. They've done it, and they did it on the road in a very hostile environment. I think they can do it again, but it's going to be a matter of discipline for for both teams. Who is more disciplined and who is able to really make which offense one-dimensional? Because while the Ravens' rush offense has been good, I know the Steelers' rush offense has had its ups and downs this year. But I Mm -hmm. do think that, again, whoever can make whoever's offense one-dimensional, I think is going to have a better shot to win the game. It's funny because that's the exact phrase that Cam Hayward used after the Raiders game it was like, we, we had to make them one dimensional. And that's a Raiders team that, yeah, they've struggled this year, but they had Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, Devonte Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, all major playmakers that are a threat anytime that they're on the field. And they knew that, Hey, we got to be accountable for this, but we got to take away, we got to take away their bread and butter. The first thing was stop Josh Jacobs. They did that. Then they had to limit Devonte Adams. They, and then uh, they did that. And they had to let, let the rest fall into place. And I think that there was a confidence boost there. But like you said, when these two teams faced before 
the Ravens were able to kind of do what they want. And that was again with a backup with a backup quarterback. Uh, you can't the Steelers can't allow Josh Dobbins and Gus Gus Edwards to run for the yards that they that they ran for between them 186 yards on 28 carries. That's just abysmal. And they and they know that. And Cam Hayward even talked about the long 44 yard run that that uh, J.K. Dobbins had early in that game. He's like, you know, I came out of my gap. I can't do that in that situation. I was trying to do too much. The Steelers, I think you've seen them kind of come along come along a bit here. I think you've also seen a boost from guys like Larry Ogunjobi, who's been playing better. I think he's also a little bit healthier than he was uh, about a month ago. Um, I also think we've, we've also seen improvements from guys like Montrevious Adams, who's been playing a little bit more physical. And there's been a different level of physicality to the Steelers defense and the Steelers team, in my opinion, that have made them a bit sharper of a, of a unit to, to, to take that on. But it still comes down to executing in the moment. You know, in this in that game, the Steelers defense, I mean, they they still held a team to 16 points. They held them to four of 13 on third on third downs. You want to have that, but you've got to bring the, the rushing defense as well. And you're gonna need your offense to finish drives. We'll talk about that, the offensive part with the interceptions and what played that went into that uh in the next segment. But still, I think this the, a huge part of this matchup comes down to can the Ravens' offensive line make a, make another big game, have another big game where Tyler Linderbaum is winning up a gap, and you have Zeitler, and you have Moses, and you have Stanley, and you have all those guys coming together and control the line of scrimmage to make it easy for whoever starts at quarterback for the Ravens. Yeah, and I, I know that in the game last time with Pittsburgh. One of the big keys, and you talked about it, Chris, was the fact that the Ravens were able to turn the Steelers over multiple times in big situations, mm -hmm. getting interceptions in multiple big situations. This has been a much better turnover defense in Baltimore this year. The Ravens have 24 total turnovers this year. Last year, they had just 15 turnovers. So they have really prioritized that. Marcus Williams has been a godsend for them. Mm -hmm. I, I still think he's, he's one of the biggest deals of free agency on a five-year, $7 million contract. Like he has been that good for them. He came back against Pittsburgh and had the interception. So I think mm -hmm. that when you're talking about a player like that, we saw the vintage Marlon Humphrey punch out in week 16 against Atlanta. So that was really fun to see just from getting that vintage back. I know Steelers fans are familiar with the Juju Smith-Schuster <laughs> one. I'm not trying to bring back that, but I kind of am a little bit. But regardless, <laughs> I think that for what the Ravens have right now, they have Kyle Hamilton playing really well on defense. They're having guys step up in the absences of Clayus Campbell and Marcus Peters. They are a deep defensive unit. They get the ball moved up and down against them a little bit against Atlanta, but the red zone defense for Baltimore played really well against Atlanta. 0 for 4, the Falcons went in the red zone, held them to nine total points. But the, on the other side of the coin for the Ravens, the red zone offense has been abysmal, abysmal for them this season. They are the 30th rated red zone offense in terms of touchdown percentage. They're not converting it a clip that you want to see at all, just 46.3% touchdown conversion percentage. If you look at the last three weeks, Chris, that number drops down to 22.2%, which is by far the worst mark in the NFL. They're not converting. They, they're having trouble even scoring points in the red zone at times. Justin Tucker's had a kick block in back-to-back -back weeks, which it just it doesn't even feel real when he misses a field goal. It's just like, yeah. well, I kind of sit there in shock. I'm like, oh, like this can happen. Like he can miss field goals. So Baltimore has to be able to convert in the red zone because, again, if, if we see a low-scoring game like we did – just a couple weeks ago between the Ravens and the Steelers, you don't want to leave points on the board. You cannot trade touchdowns for field goals either side. Either side can't trade right. touchdowns for field goals. They want to win the game. So I think another key for this game, Chris, is who converts better in the red zone when they get down there. 
Absolutely. That's going to be a big key to this. We'll talk more about what goes into those red zone problems as well as the turnovers on both sides. I think like we talked about stuff in the run on both sides, but quarterback play, managing quarterback play and the taking advantage of quarterback play on the defenses. All of that's going to be huge in this game. We'll break all that down in just a minute here on Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. But first, we got to talk to you guys about BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including all of the, th- the things that you need to know about the NFL's push to the playoffs. Two more games for everybody. Who's going to make it? You can find out the, the, the odds, the ends, and all the lines that you need for the NFL right at BetOnline. But you can also do that for the NBA, the NHL, and everything else sports right there. You can also find podcasts that are breaking things down, just like we do here on the Locked On Podcast Network. So go to Bet Online right now, your number one source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action when you visit Bet Online, where the game starts. This episode is also brought to you by the National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration. If you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks, you might start to think, hey, you know, I'm fine, but then a few becomes too too many. And then you're you're looking for you're trying to look for a ride, but you say, you know what? I've got it. I live close by. But then you're trying you're driving. And what's the odds it's gonna happen when you're driving drunk that you might get pulled over? And if you get pulled over, what's the worst that you happen? That could happen. Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill somebody, you get the point. Driving drunk is dangerous and can have serious repercussions on on everyone. So what you have to do is you have to stay safe. That's why that's why police officers out there right now are looking for impaired drivers on our roads because they're there to save lives. So if you think that you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. And we ruin back-to-back ads. We keep it rolling here on the Locked On Podcast Network. So that being said, Kevin, like we said, the last game very much defined by interceptions. Three interceptions the Ravens had all coming in plus territory for the Steelers. If the Steelers manage a field goal out of any of those drives, maybe they win that. Maybe they win that game. Um, the Steelers this past week just had three interceptions on the Las Vegas Raiders and, De- and Derek Carr. I-, I do think this game could come down to who forces who to whom to be uh, more aggressive early. And I said that last time and, the, and that time the Ravens went out, got out to an early lead. I think it was 10, nothing at one point. And then you saw the desperation from Mitch Trubisky. And I know that's not Kenny Pickett, but still <gasps> riskier throws over the middle, allowed Roquan Smith to make some plays, allowed, uh, allowed Marcus Williams to make some plays. And that led to the advantage that, um, that the Ravens were able to establish and and kind of win with this past week, the Steelers win against the Raiders is the first time they won all year while when the other team scored first. And so for me, I think a big part of this isn't just the quarterback play itself, but where this team puts their quarterbacks in position to have to make plays. If you force the Ravens to be aggressive with Huntley or Brown or whoever, even if it's Lamar Jackson coming back from his first game in a while, I think you put the Steelers the, the the advantage on the Steelers, but vice versa. If Kenny Pickett has to get aggressive and it's not the last drive of the game when you can kind of throw everything out and just go for it, I think that puts the Ravens right back where they were the last time these teams played, and you see the Ravens get another win. Right, and I, I think there are, there are two ways that teams can be aggressive early: it's the desperation aggressiveness, or it's being aggressive to set a tone. And right. I think the team that sets the tone early, so whether that's Baltimore taking a deep shot to Deshaun Jackson or the Steelers picking up chunk yards with Pat Fryermuth or Deontay Johnson or whoever, 
whoever sets that tone early, that's being aggressive in the first place. But then the response by the other team, like if the Ravens got out to that 10 nothing lead again here and you start to see that desperation again by this time Kenny Pickett, that can lead into those turnovers. And you're right, the Steelers left 12 points on the board and a two-point loss, each in plus territory, where you're thinking they could really go down and score here and pick up a touchdown or pick up three points. And it was interceptions, interceptions, interceptions. You got Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith, mm-hmm. and Marcus Williams each making a big play. They kept the Ravens in the game and ultimately led, and it was a big reason why the Ravens ended up winning. It was the run game and it was the defense. So I think if the Ravens have run success early against the Pittsburgh defense, if you see the Ravens rip off a couple of really big runs, if they can drive down the field on their first or second possession using the ground game, I think that will set a tone. And on the other side of things, they need to, if they do that, get the ball into the end zone from the red zone, because it just seems like when the Ravens don't get that ball in on the first possession of red zone offense, they go like one for four or one for three and they leave points on the board. So then if the Steelers respond to that and they say, Hey, we're going to go down and score a touchdown. It will, again, it will leave a bad taste in the Ravens mouth. And I just don't know. It's going to be a lot of recovery from them there. So there is, there are two sides of setting a tone and being aggressive where I think the team that sets the tone first is going to have the much, much better chance to win this game because then you force the other team, depending on how early or late it is in the game to become one dimensional by they have to abandon the run game. And we saw the Ravens literally abandon the run game in the fourth quarter of that Cleveland game when they were having so much success. And that is that is exactly what the Browns wanted for them to do. They wanted to say, hey, the, Ra- the Browns are getting gashed on the ground. We're getting gashed with the Browns. We don't want them to run the ball anymore. They got up by two scores. And Greg Roman said, well, now we need to throw the football, which was just not the right decision. So I think moving forward, that won't be an issue. But again, if the Steelers can force the Ravens to throw the ball a bit more, if the run game is having success, you want to eliminate that. And for the Ravens, if you're able to get down the field early, I think that's a big key for them. Absolutely. And to talk, you know, something that you mentioned earlier, you know, succeeding once you get down into the red zone, the Ravens, like you said, right now, they have the third worst red zone percentage as far as touchdowns they scored 46.3 percent on their red zone possessions the Steelers a little bit better than more in the middle part of the league with 53.3 percent ranking 17th um and then on the flip side the you know it's also two of the better red zone defenses in the NFL the Ravens are only giving up 48 percent of touchdowns on the red red zone possessions they've allowed the Steelers only 53.4 percent uh the Ravens that's fourth best the Steelers 10th best in the NFL right now I think there's going to be so many things that play into these defenses. I think, again, it's going to come down to physicality. Who can set that tone? Who can kind of put the other team on their back burners and kind of make them kind of reach to their to the things that they aren't strong or they don't feel confident in in this game? That's what's going to dictate to the game. And if someone kind of wins with that, like say, you know, say Huntley hits on a deep ball to Deshaun Jackson or he hits Mark Andrews in a way that catches the Steelers off guard. I think that's what that's what both teams kind of have to live with. Right. Like if I'm if I'm the Ravens, I'm not letting Najee Harris take over this game. I'm not letting the, the Steelers running attack. I'm forcing Kenny Pickett to hit a deep ball down the field to Deontay Johnson or George Pickens or one of those guys, because. Uh, that that way I give my my pass rush and my secondary a chance to make a play in this game. And if you beat us there, you beat us there. Um, I, th- I think that was the biggest mistake the Steelers made was especially on that last drive when the Ravens just needed to get one last first down on third down. You didn't see them commit to stopping the run. They came out with a balanced look and the Ravens got the first down with that way. I think both teams are going to be in a situation where take away the thing that, the, that both teams try to do the most running the football. Make them one-dimensional in passing and then trust the rest of your defense to make the plays after that. 
Yeah, and it's so key because what you have in the Ravens is a team that knows they can run the football and they can do Mm -hmm. it effectively. And it feels like their red zone percentage should be so much higher because you have guys like J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. And Gus Edwards rarely loses yards on his carry, so you just put him in there. But, again, these games always come down to the wire. So I'd be be shocked if one team, like, blew the other out of the water in this one, especially with how high stakes it is. I think for both teams, Baltimore's looking to win the North, and they have to, at least to give themselves the best chance, win this game against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is trying to fight their way into the playoffs. They definitely need some help to get there, but they have to take care of their own business here. So this is a high-leverage game for both teams that I think has huge implications. It's going to have huge implications. As we said before, Ravens trying to keep pace to win the AFC North right now. Uh, crazy situation with the bet with the Bengals right now. Them, you know, they're a game back on the Bengals. They get to play them in week 18, I believe, uh, which is going to be a huge game that everyone's going to be watching. If the Ravens can win this week, puts them in the driver's seat because the Bengals will be. Um, the Bengals will be playing the Bills this week. Even if the Bengals pull it off and the Ravens win, the Ravens beat the Bengals the first time, right? Yep. So then this is all about keeping pace so that you can win the division in in week 18 um, if you win this week. So we'll see how that plays out. The Steelers, on the other hand, they have a very, a very specific, narrow path to the playoffs. The Steelers have to win out, beating both the Ravens and the Browns. Then they have to hope that the Dolphins lose out, which looks a little more probable uh, with Tua Tungabailoa's concussion situation. They play the Jets and the Patriots, and they would need the Jets and the Patriots each to lose the, the Patriots to the Bills and the Jets to the Seahawks. If those all those things happen, the two games with Miami, the the, the two games to the with the with the Jets and the Patriots, and then the Steelers winning out, the Steelers make the playoffs. And to me, the biggest hurdle, I said this yesterday on Locked On Steelers, is the Ravens. So if the Ravens want to play spoiler, if they want to ruin their division rivals' time or their chances at the playoffs, this would be a heck of a time to do it. High drama in Baltimore coming this Sunday night. Also, Kevin, I don't know about you. I am tired of flexes. Why did they make this a night game? I was so ready for 1 p.m. football and to be done with work by like 6 p.m. so I can eat dinner. No, now we got to stay up all night. The Ravens have had two straight Saturday games. So they, they've had to deal with Saturday, Saturday, back-to-back. And I was thinking, yeah, we're finally, because the 1 p.m. kind of gives you like normalcy. Where exactly. it's like, you, you, we're so used to that being on the East Coast where it's like, you know, probably what, 11, 12 games of the year they play in that mm-hmm. time, 13. So you're thinking unless... Baltimore, they you know they travel on the West Coast sometimes. I know next year they're going to be doing that, but the 1 p.m. has that sense of normalcy. But now you got the 8:20 start, and now you got to work into midnight, into 1 a.m., into 2 a.m. And you know the show still comes out, right? But you kind of have to adjust your schedule. I know Patrick Queen kind of tweeted after he said, "Why, why do you flex that?" I think because you know <laughs> he wasn't talking about the game being bad; he was talking about the time being like, "All right, why like, we I, just, I just want to go to bed." <laughs> and look, Ra- Raven Steelers, like that—that's a game that I think deserves to be in prime time. But tell us before the season starts that it's going to be in prime time. Like I'm fine with Raven Steelers being in prime time, but then there's a, there's potential now, at least from Baltimore side of things. And I don't actually know if this is possible anymore because of the time you have to give to flex a game. But actually, I think it is still possible. But if the Ravens and Bengals play for the division in week 18. That could be flex too. And so the Ravens would have two straight flexes if, if that's still a possible thing for it to happen. So I know the whole thing is consistency and normalcy. I was looking forward to the 1 p.m. game, but here we are at 8.20, Chris. We got we got a primetime game on our hands. It's going to be a wild one. You can catch all things 
on Locked On Steelers, Locked On Ravens, on our podcast, on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, and YouTube. Kevin, thanks for another wonderful crossover Thursday. These are always fun doing with you, my friend. Uh, We'll see how the game goes. Hope that everyone gets to enjoy their weekends. Happy New Year's to everybody. But don't forget, each of our shows have one more Friday episode, breaking things down and how this will go with final predictions and outlook with more injury reports to see who is going to be available for Steelers-Ravens Sunday night football thanks again from chris and kevin happy new year everybody back on fridays on each of our channels we'll see you then chris always provides the insight provides the fire of course even when we're talking about flexing this game to 820 but be sure to like this video and subscribe to the channel on youtube follow along in audio form that's all i have you here today on locked on ravens we'll make it back here tomorrow i'll be diving into our full game preview of the ravens week 17 matchup with the steelers so be sure to stay tuned for that and i will see you right back here tomorrow